Are you tired of not charging what you're worth? Do you have no idea how you should be pricing yourself, your services, and just in general, how you should be paying yourself? This episode is going to be such a treat for you because if that has been your pain point, as it is for so many people, we're about to crack the code on what it takes to charge what you're worth and price yourself right. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. My guest today is the lovely Natalie Coombe. Not only does she have a beautiful first name, she empowers women entrepreneurs running client-serving businesses to just sort out their pricing so they can pay themselves what they're worth without burning out. For over 20 years, Natalie has delivered results for everyone from solopreneurs through to top international companies in London and Europe, including MNC, Saatchi, Leader, Mindshare Worldwide, as well as working on brands like Unilever, Dyson, American Express, and Nike. She's been featured in the National Business Review. She's a guest speaker at MUV Talks. She's a mentor and a facilitator for so many amazing things. And what I love most is that Natalie is a single mum by choice, and she runs her online business and understands the firsthand challenges of what women entrepreneurs face when setting up and scaling their own business, particularly as a parent. Today, Natalie works one-to-one and runs an online program, How to Nail Your Pricing and Pay Yourself What You're Worth, teaching entrepreneurs how to pay themselves what they're worth without burning out in the process. So let's dive in to this podcast, because what we talk about is the one key misbelief that is keeping people stuck from paying themselves a salary. Yes, you heard me right. The four key pricing methods businesses need to know. The power of knowing your value to build your confidence and charge what you're worth. And then we also talk about how to make that leap to up your prices and do that in a way that feels really, really good to you and doesn't freak you out. Plus, share a little bit about Nat's story and how she got to this place in the first place. So without further ado, let's dive in. Natalie Coombe, welcome to the Untapped podcast. Thanks so much for having me. That's great. I'm I'm excited. I'm also excited to have more Natalie's on because let's (laughs) face it, I think the world personally needs more Natalie awesomeness in their life. 100%. Not biased at all. So first off, I would love for you to share with my beautiful listeners how you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. It's such a great question. And I think it's a really important question for people to ask themselves. And for me, how do you tap into your potential? The first thing is really understanding and owning what your potential is, what that thing is, that unique combination of skills and experience and passion and really owning what that is and kind of making it available to more people. So for me, where I am right now is a journey that's been around 40 years in the making. But, you know, I I help particularly women entrepreneurs, uh, clients serving businesses, but I help them kind of nail their pricing so they can get to a point where they can pay themselves what they're worth, but only working 
the hours they have available. I've been doing business transformation for over 20 years, working with big corporations. But for me, actually coming out of that environment and working with small businesses, solopreneurs, particularly with women and helping them build kind of better lives and better businesses for themselves is something that I'm just super, super passionate about. And it's so amazing to be able to use all the different past experiences that I've had to actually share with people who otherwise might not have access to it. So finding what that unique blend that makes you, you, and owning that, I think is a really important part of untapping your potential. Mm, I love the use of the wording there to just pull it into my podcast. Thank you. And I think we're very similar on that front. Like I think you and I are both passionate about that. Like how do you find that sweet spot, get paid well for it and also make a really awesome difference in the world. And so when Nat and I first met last year or the year before, we just had never met before in person, found each other through a women's business group here in New Zealand, met up over coffee. Don't think either of us stopped talking for an hour because we were so (laughs) on the same page about our values and the way in which business is done and how women particularly underpay themselves. They don't charge enough. We were, it was awesome. Plus it was a great cafe. So I'd actually really love to talk more about that though, because I think what's super impressive about you is you've niched right down into nailing your pricing and charging what you're worth. And this is a huge topic for most people and especially women. And especially my clients that I talk to in the 10K club, almost everybody undercharges from the get-go, including myself. And it's, it takes a lot, I think, when you make a switch like you and I both did from the corporate world to your own business. In the corporate world, obviously, you get a salary and you. I always found it really easy to negotiate for more. Like for me, it was like, awesome, your money, give me more, here's why I'm worth it. The minute you hit your own business, it's so much harder to put a price around you because yeah. it feels so personal, even if it's... Yeah not you, but your services, experience, etc. So can we start talking a little bit about why you chose that niche? Because I think it's awesome that you have of all the things that you could probably help people transform <laughs> their business in. Yeah. And why is it so important? Love to. So it was really interesting. I think I really identify with people's journey when you first start out in your own business. Originally, I come from a family run business. I said I would never run my own business having seen how much Oh, energy went into running your own business. And here I was starting one up and trying to figure out out of everything you can help people with, what is the area that you're going to focus on? And I had someone ask me, you know, a great question. If if there's one thing you could help them with that would have the biggest impact on them, what would it be? And it's like, well, pricing, Mm -hmm. because Once you've got your pricing sorted, you've got a what we call a commercial model, which just basically means that your business is actually profitable in a healthy way. Every you can then grow everything else. But when you are in that place where you're working your ass off, you're not getting the money that you need to for your business, you're having to work more hours. A lot of people end up maxing out, they actually can't work any harder, but they're still not being paid what they need to be you're stuck going, what do I do now? And I think women in particular can find themselves thinking that they're then a failure, that their business is a failure because, well, I said this would be successful and this isn't, I can't work any harder, I'm burning out, I'm making all these sacrifices and it's not really worth it. And, you know, I think for getting to a place where you're like, actually, 
this business, I know how to make money with it. And I don't have to work all the hours in order for it to be a healthy business is just a critical part of running a business, but no one really teaches it. So true. They don't. And my big mantra and motto for this year has been ease and grace and flow in business. How do you make things easy? How do you make it graceful? How do you find that flow? Which I think also has taken a long time to get to versus the roller coaster ride of inconsistent income months and never knowing what to pay yourself or not even paying yourself all the things. So first off, before we dive into sharing all your juicy tips about this, because I know this is what you teach and do extremely well. Can you share a little bit of your journey of how you got there yourself, like a little bit of your background and why you chose this path? Yeah, no, I would love to. So as I mentioned, I've been doing business transformation, so fancy word for business troubleshooting for over 20 years. I spent 10 years in London working with large corporations, helping them become more profitable, but in a way that was more healthy, particularly for the individuals that were in it. After around 10 years there, I decided that it was time for a new challenge. So I became a single mum by choice, which was a, a very new direction for me. And then with that, I decided to move back to New Zealand and raise my daughter with my family. And, you know, probably, oh, I came out of that first year bubble of parenthood and was like, right. At some point soon, I need to go back to work. I need to start providing for my new family. And I looked at going back into the corporate world and going back into consulting, particularly here in in Auckland, you know, which is a three-hour commute at the day. My daughter would be in daycare 10 hours a day, and I just decided I didn't give up my career and life in London to have a daughter to never see her. So for me, it was a case of saying, okay, there has to be a better way. I don't know. At that point, I had no clue what that way was going to be. I just knew that I would find a solution because at that point, the option that was available to me was not acceptable. And started networking, you know, got out out of the house, met some people uh, who were running online businesses in particular, and actually taught their expertise to other people. And that's what really sparked that idea for me was, oh, okay, rather than going into a business, usually a large business, because it, it's you know, quite expensive to hire me as a consultant. So rather than going into a business, I could actually take the skills and tools and techniques and teach business owners how to do this stuff for themselves. Because it was access to methodologies and calculators and tools that they would normally never get access to. That really excited me and it meant that I could also have that flexibility working the way I wanted to work, working from home, being in control of where that took me. And that was super exciting for me. Like most business owners, when they start that journey, I went through the working every hour. (laughs) I, you know, I had at this point, I had an 18 month old. I was working nap times. My peak work hours were from 8 p.m. when she first went to bed to 2 a.m. They were my main working hours. (laughs) Sleep and then she'd be up at six. And yeah, I think I managed that for six weeks before I just burnt out and just went, this is, I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. keep going like this. And honestly, I had to change my expectations for what I was capable of. I think one of the challenges of being a high achiever 
as we like to call perfectionists, high achievers, because we have really high expectations of what we should be achieving, particularly when we come from corporate and we're so used to having a, a team of people doing amazing things all at the same time. We somehow then think we as one person should be able to achieve all the same stuff. So I had to actually lower my expectations for what I could achieve so I could achieve it over a longer period of time, which meant I had breathing space in order to deliver in a way that was healthy to me and my mental health and my daughter. And that has really reiterated the fact that pricing plays such an important part of that because you need to understand where you need to be pricing yourself in order to make the money you need to work in the way that you actually want to work. So you take those steps to get there. And that's been you know, a really important journey for me to go through. So I go through the same challenges all my clients go through. You know, I don't teach them, tell them to do something I haven't done myself. <laughs> yeah, which is so important, right? Because that means you relate and resonate. And actually, it's this is great. I really want to dive into this. And I would love some examples from you on how you've done that for people, but also yourself. Because if I think about it, I've recently switched over to sort of an 8 till 1 p.m. working day. So <laughs> that is my intention, four yeah. days a week with Friday off. And it really gets you focused pretty immediately on those five hours should be spent, I think, for me, on strategy, on how does this business grow, on what support does my team need to empower them to do what they need to do, and for client and customer love. So those are the kind of areas that I feel are best for me to be working on, as well as visibility and putting myself out there. And it suddenly gets you to drop all the other things that you just don't need to be doing, like busying yourself in order email responders, fiddling around with tech tools. You know, there's some things that you keep in your genius zone, but pretty quickly, you're like, if I've only got five hours a day, how do I use them really well? And I'd love to hear from you kind of when you had that aha moment after the six weeks of this is just not going to work. These <laughs> no, night till 2am. What did you kind of immediately, I mean, did you price your hours up and go, oh, if if this is what I want to earn, then technically I'm worth $300 an hour for every hour that I'm working. Or did you look at it in a more holistic way? Like realistically, my time is precious and it's worth it. So I need to be spending it on these things. Yeah. Great question. And it is probably a bit of a, a, a game of two halves to take a, a Kiwi oh, say. I like the rugby analogy. The rugby reference. Um, rugby is the winner on the day. <laughs> anyway, when I was first starting out, and this is the same advice I give people when you're first starting out, don't worry too much about your pricing because you're, you're not going to have the, the pipeline of work, the capacity to be, to really be making the kind of money. And when you're first starting out, it's really around getting experience, experience with clients, experience delivering. It's about building case studies, testimonials, social proof, and your confidence in what you do and refining your offering. So for me to start with, it was a case of what's the minimum I need to do to start getting clients. That was my focus. So out went refining my website. I think I'd done three rebrands <laughs> within that six weeks, probably caused, <laughs> which was probably the main burnout. So I was like, no, you're done. You don't need any more changes. What do you need to do to start getting clients, to start delighting clients, to validate your product to make sure it's fit for market, that it's getting those results. And then it's a case of, okay, what do I need to do going into kind of that next phase? Where do I need to position myself? How do I need to price? How many clients do I need? 
in order to make my minimum salary goals for the year. Again, lowering expectations for what you're going to achieve in line with how much time you actually want to spend and then going about and making that happen. But there's definitely been some key points kind of in the, the year following where I've had to make adjustments. You know, I remember when I first launched working one-on-one. So originally I was doing programs. That was where it was all at. It was all about programs. So I started with a program and then I moved, interestingly, I moved into supplementing that with one-on-one. When I first launched, I got 12 people sign up within a month for one-on-one work and very quickly realized that I don't have capacity to manage 12 people working one-on-one. So I then made some decisions. This isn't working for me. What do I need to change? What's my learning? Okay, my learning is I need to limit how many clients I work with one-on-one at any one point in time. I need to only work with clients on certain days of the week. And so I have at least, you know, one free day to work on my business. So do business development, do strategy, as well as fitting in client follow-up and marketing and sales. Because I only work three days a week. Three days a week is my goal with Fridays off for myself as well. And Wednesdays is with my girls. So you really have to keep evaluating. Love it. (laughs) And how many hours a day are you roughly working that just so people can find Um, I start at 10. I'm not a morning person. And I finish at about 4.30 for a day here. So you're out of bed before 10 for less than (laughs) (laughs) 10,000. Pretty much. Actually, though, you wouldn't want me before 10, right? (laughs) Not in my best before 10. So that's one of the reasons why I've structured my business that way is because that's how I operate at my best. I don't work evenings and I don't work weekends. So everything I do, like you were saying, I have to figure out how do I make the most of those three to three and a half days a week? How do I make the most of them to achieve what I want to achieve? And definitely, you know, being honest, it does have an impact on what your salary goals are going to be because I want this to be sustainable for me. So I'm not making the mega money, the mega social media money yet that you know, is the ultimate goal, but I'm balancing that with the fact that I have my evenings, I have my weekends, I have a day with my daughter. Um, When I'm not launching um, a program, I have Fridays to myself. And that's the right balance for me right now. I love that. And I think you don't have to have the mega, mega, like you, you have a rich and fulfilling and rewarding and abundant life because you chose it and you've designed it that way. And that's your lifestyle. And I think where the other parts start to come in to help you build that mega business, if you want it, is residual income and investments and other forms of income that aren't related or tied to you. So I think it's entirely possible. Yeah. And, you know, while we're doing this slow build is you're always, for me, I'm always working in the background. How do I grow my, my list? How do I broaden kind of my outreach? So you're always tapping into those, those activities in your business that are building and growing but it's just a slower growth than perhaps, you know, we sometimes like to believe that we'll get payback within, you know, next year or the year after. Yeah, I love it. All right. Awesome. I love, love, love. Okay. So let's go into what do you feel is the one key misbelief that's keeping people stuck from paying themselves a salary? And yeah. I'd love to know from my listeners, maybe they can shout out and tag this episode on Instagram direct message at Natalie Sisson and tell me if you are actually paying yourself a salary for a start, because I know so many that are, but what is the the key misbelief around this? Such a good question. So, Um, so, you know, the thing that I have found time and time again is this idea 
that your salary is actually a reward for doing a good job. That's the misbelief mm. that so many of us have is your salary is a reward for doing a good job. And at some point in the future, when you've worked your ass off, when you've worked hard enough for long enough and you've sacrificed enough, eventually you'll be successful enough to pay yourself. Like, and that's the traditional view of business. It is pretty crazy, isn't it, when you think about it versus, you know, I run a business and this is just part and parcel of what happens for <laughs> That's right. I mean, the, the truth is that your salary is not a reward. It is simply a fixed business cost you have to plan for. Because if you don't plan for it, you won't make it. And, you know, I, particularly for solopreneurs and particularly in service-based businesses, a little bit different if you do bricks and mortar or if you have staff, but for kind of solopreneur businesses, your salary is likely to be two to three times more than your running costs. So if you're not factoring in your salary into your revenue targets, you're missing the biggest chunk. There's no way working harder or working a few more hours is ever going to bridge that gap. And that's why people end up in a place of burnout and frustration because no matter how hard they work, they're still not earning any money. So, you know, that is, if there's one thing people take away from this conversation, it's understanding that your salary is not a reward for doing a good job. It is just a fixed business cost that you need to plan for. And you need to allow two thirds of your revenue to be part of, which is great. Yeah. So I'd love to sort of dive into that more, but okay, cool. Next great question. one came from you. I'd love to talk about the four key pricing methods <laughs> to businesses that we all need to know. So what are these four keys or even a couple of them would be great to share, but I'm really excited. And I think the thing that you just shared is going to probably blow people's minds and they're now sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is why I'm consistently not making enough money or my expenses are outweighing things or I'm not paying myself. So what are these four key things? So I think one of the challenges is that business owners aren't aware that there are methods for pricing. You know, that it's kind of like a Finger in the ear, I guess, right? Those are kind of the two most common pricing methods. Not that they're really methods, but they aren't aware that they're actually tried and tested methods for pricing. Um, I just want to clarify for people listening because it did sound like finger in the ear, which is an entirely different thing to sticking your finger in the ear. Than oh, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I love it. But I was like, some people, wherever you're sticking your finger is probably not the right place. <laughs> <laughs> it should be no finger sticking it's when it comes wrong. to your pricing. <laughs> yeah. No matter where you put it. <laughs> I just went off on a different tangent, but yeah, so it's coming back to pricing methodologies. And I think you're right, a lot of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, freelancers don't necessarily think through these. For those of you who do, awesome, but listen up to Nat. And it's not even small business and solopreneurs. I know some very large corporates right. who also do, I can't say finger in the ear anymore, who also guess at what it should be. Right. So it's not something that's just purely at small business solopreneur level. Like it is, it is across the board, but larger corporations often have more buffer. So it isn't as impactful as it is when it's just you and your business. But why do you think that, that is, Nat? As a question before the question, why do you think that is? That even large corporates don't often figure out their pricing methodologies. And oh goodness me, <sighs> it's a good question because. It involves really understanding how to deliver your work and it involves understanding how to deliver it properly. 
and um, pricing up from there. And I think there's this idea historically, as long as they call it top-down budgeting, as long as money coming in is greater than money going out, then we're making profit, so it's fine. So it becomes a case of luck. As long as somewhere in the mix of your business, there's stuff making enough money to cover up the stuff not making money, and overall the business is in profit, then let's not bother and dig too deeply. So that is fine until your business shifts and different the parts that weren't making money become bigger than the parts that were and you have this different dynamic so yeah it's that's a whole different podcast as to why large okay. corporations <laughs> large corporations don't but for smaller businesses and solopreneurs it often comes down to simply not knowing how like what are the methods to actually to actually do it and there, there are four key ones that are really useful to know and uh, each one is more powerful than the last. So we've got market-based pricing, goal-based, cost-based, and value-based. Now, most businesses start and stop on market-based pricing. You can probably guess what market-based pricing is. That's the very common scenario of looking at your competitors and trying to decide whether or not you're more or less experienced than them and whether or not you can get away with charging more or less. The problem with market-based pricing is you have no idea if your competitors are making any money. More than likely, they are not making the money they need to be at that price point. But they're looking at everyone else going, well, I can't charge more because no one else is. I'll lose clients if I charge more. And for those competitors who are making money, their business is a black box. You don't know what they've got going on behind the scenes that makes that work for them. And it might be something you're not able to replicate or you don't want to replicate. So market-based pricing as a pricing method is really unreliable for your own business, but what it is really good for is context. So when you've worked out what you need to be charging, whether that is per hour or per package or per group or whatever form your services or, or, or products take, you can say, okay, if I need to be charging X, where does that position me in the marketplace? I'm gonna use my hands here, which is gonna be interesting for a podcast. You know, am I down the cheap and cheerful end, which becomes a volume equation, right? Or am I in the middle in terms of my pricing, in which case, how do I stand out in a crowded marketplace? Or am I up the premium end, in which case, how do I position myself? And what kind of clients do I go after in order to, to get that premium pricing happening? So market-based pricing, not good as a pricing method, but really useful for contacts, which is really important. The next one is goal-based, which is great when you're just starting out. It gives you the ballpark that you need to be operating in so that you kind of start heading in the right direction. You don't end up a year down the line and, and you're nowhere near where you need to be. But the, the two most powerful ones, and these are the two that, that particularly that I teach, are a combination of cost-based pricing and value-based pricing. So cost-based is where we work out the minimum you need to charge to pay yourself a salary only working the hours you want, right? And cost-based pricing becomes as long as I'm earning X, whatever that works out to be, I'm fine, right? Take the pressure off. We're good. We can pay our bills. We can pay our salary. I'm not having to work stupid hours. We're fine. We're not earning our mega money yet. Like that'll come, but we're good. We can keep going. So that takes the pressure off for a lot of people getting to that place. And then you partner cost-based pricing with value-based pricing. 
So value-based pricing is the most powerful pricing method, and it's one more and more businesses are moving towards. And that's where it's not about how much it costs you to deliver. It's not about how many hours it takes you to deliver. Value-based pricing is about the change you help your clients to achieve and how valuable that is to them. And, and that becomes super important and really powerful, particularly for women, but for all businesses, but particularly I've found for the, the women entrepreneurs I work with, they find that, and myself included, they find that really helpful because it's no longer about us. For value-based pricing, it's not about us. It's not about our value, how much we're worth, but instead it's actually about our clients and, and the change we help them to make and how valuable that is to them. And what that means is we take us out of the equation. And so we're not pricing out of our own sense of fear or insecurity, which is a really not a strong place to be pricing from. <laughs> and it's really around uh, our, our clients. And that makes pricing conversations so much easier to have. And it really focuses on yeah, that value. So value-based pricing becomes a maximum you can charge before your clients are no longer getting value for money. Because it's always really important clients get value for money. Once you know, this is where my ha- I got my hands going again. Once you know those two values, you know, cost-based, the minimum you need to charge for it to be profitable for you, and the maximum you can charge before your clients are no longer getting value for money. You can just charge whatever you're comfortable and feel confident between those two numbers. You get the flexibility to do that. A lot of my clients go on a journey from charging that minimum to charging the max, just slowly increasing. And probably quite a few of my clients go from not even charging the minimum for them, just getting to that point where they're like, I can pay myself every single month and I'm not burning out in the process. That's a major milestone. That's a great feeling, yeah. That's a huge feeling, right? And then that gives them that confidence to keep increasing their pricing to get to, you know, their ultimate goal of where they want to be. So, you know, knowing those two methods in particular are just the basically a, a basic platform for having a profitable built a business and being able to have the lifestyle that you want to have without having to work all the hours in order to get it. I love it. And I guess the secret sauce to knowing that value-based pricing is something that you teach and people, people join and work with you on, right? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Just in case people were wondering why I didn't ask that question. I think it's really useful actually, because with the clients and customers that I deal with, they're often like, you know, what should I charge? And now we have more of a model to go on. But I always say to them, what is this worth to your client? What yeah. is the- transformation or result that you're giving them through this teaching, this course, this service that's done for you, how much is it worth to them? And particularly, I think it's interesting when you're talking to health coaches um, because the improvements in their health could be priceless to them. In case you charging a thousand dollars for this session or whatever it may be, because they're going to feel like a million dollars, a thousand dollars to feel like a million dollars is like a no brainer. Right. And I think it's just, I love that you say that because that is super important to think about their transformational result and the value in their life. And I also love how immediately it takes it away from what value do you provide? Because obviously you want to provide value and you want to over deliver and you want to do all the things, but you should never be working for free. And it's one of the hardest things in the world is to put a value on what you do. 
And I like to factor in things like how much have you spent on acquiring these skills over the years? How much life experience have you had in this? How much deep work and skills have you developed? Where are you sort of positioned in the market? But I really love when you put it back onto them and the value they're going to get. It just takes that pressure off and it allows you to really look at and focus on the transformation they're going to have. So, so, so right. And I think particularly in the helping industries, it is more of a, a challenge to work it out because there's no direct financial correlation. So I work with a lot of marketers, designers, branding experts, whatever. And, and you can go, okay, what, how much would a client, you know, you can do Facebook ads, for example, you can do a direct correlation with what kind of return they're going to get. So it's, it's kind of easier to work out to some extent the value. When you're in kind of those helping industries, it's more subjective and it is, it is harder to calculate. And there are kind of tricks to how you figure that out to put a, a price tag on it. But absolutely understanding and putting it in the context of the impact it has on their life is so important. I know for a lot of my clients, having those two price points, the the value price point, but also knowing the minimum becomes really helpful for them while they go on that confidence journey for themselves because they're like, okay, as long as I get to that minimum price point, as long as I'm earning X for it, I'm at least good. And that buys me time to build my confidence, to see the results that has on my client's lives, to have confidence, to start to charge closer to that, that value base. So having those two, I think, for a lot of my clients, they find that really helpful. Can we talk a little bit more about that confidence and maybe even give a couple of examples, obviously not their names, but of, of how they were able to make the leap in their pricing and yeah. what they charged? And, and the sort of time, I'm just really curious for people listening, you know, like is this over a couple of months or is this over the space of the year and where did they start and where do they get to? If you're happy to yeah. disclose some numbers without their names and yeah. share some examples because I, I love learning through examples. Yeah, no, sure, absolutely. So in terms of how long it takes them for, to get results, that really varies on the individual in terms of how quickly they're prepared to take action on it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is this, you know, true for anything. Yeah. But, you know, I've got probably three examples that jump straight to mind. So one of them was Louise. I can share her name. It's fine. So Louise, she, we were working together. We did her. She was a business coach. And she kind of lost her mojo and she'd burned out and she wasn't being rewarded for all the effort she was putting into her clients and all the amazing results they were getting. She wasn't seeing that reward for her. And so we worked together. We did one of my modules. I have a five-step process for profitable pricing. We did the know your value exercise, which is the value-based pricing. Off the back of that, she went, oh my goodness, I am freaking worth way more than what I've been charging. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been so enlightening. Yeah, she really, she got it. She went, oh my goodness, I now see the impact I'm having on people and I am bloody well worth that. And so we went on, we priced up, we crafted a number of new services that were way less time intensive for her, but where her clients still got that value. And within a week, she went and she'd sold, she'd something, well, I know she'd certainly sold one within a week. She'd increased her average hourly rate 700% from wow. that one sale. Wow. As she'd streamlined her process, she'd realigned the client's budget 
with what they were getting in her effort and she priced it appropriately. So, you know, that happened. We hadn't even finished working together and she'd already increased in, you know, her hourly rate 700%. I know another client, Sal, we worked together earlier in the year, was working all the hours. She's working like 12 hours a day. She helped particularly in change making organizations, organization development, and then COVID hit. So she was already burning out, not earning what she wanted to. Then COVID hit. Her income went down 62% with COVID. She lost clients. She was considering extending the wage subsidy that we have here in New Zealand. Then we worked together on her pricing. She had some pretty major insights into the fact she was just giving herself away for free. She was giving her time and her expertise away for free. And that, you know, she did a lot of work kind of unpacking that. We streamlined her, her packages, what she offered. Six months later, she has earned more in the last six months than she did in the previous year. Wow. She's increased 200%. In spite of losing all that business. In spite of losing all the business, in spite of COVID, mm-hmm. she's now on track to 400 times, 400% more than last year, four times more than last year, her income. Crazy. Working less than half the number of hours. Oh, I love it. Go so you. She, yeah. So she now works, instead of working 12 hours a day, she works four, day, four hours a day. Mm-hmm. And she's on track to you know, four times her, her income. So it can happen really quickly, you know, as in while you're sorting things out, if you take that action, it can happen over time. She kind of transitions some of her clients. Another one of my clients within a a year, she's got to a point where she's paying herself her goal salary because it just took time for new clients to come on board, to apply the new pricing, to start to, to get those changes into place. I love it. Such awesome success stories. They must really light you up and fuel the work that you do, right? If, it, if I'm talking about an example of somebody who's fueled by purpose is the results and transformations that your clients are getting must just light you up all the time. Even though it's they're doing, you know, it's you helping them guide through it, but they're the ones making the change and the difference and having those insights and ahas and actioning it. So question for you that I'm sure a few people are listening are like, so how does one go from, let's just say you're a coach of any sort and you're currently charging, let's just say $100 an hour. And then you've suddenly realized that, oh, actually the note taking that I do, the scheduling of the meeting, the back and forth on the email, the uploading it to whether a coaching platform or Google Drive or whatever you do, the uncancelling, all, you know, all that stuff is actually probably about three hours of your time, but they're paying you for an hour. So that's just a good example that I see a lot. And I oh, yeah. oh, yeah. experience. So how do people who are currently raising their prices do it in a way that doesn't obviously freak them out? And I know that's something you work with them on, but also not freak their customers out because I'm of a view that there is a way to do that in a great way. And there's also, it's also a great way to use it to attract more of the clients you really want and maybe let go of some of those clients who just don't value you enough. So do you have any tips for people listening on how they make that jump? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the first thing I would say is you want to make sure that the $100 an hour is actually the number you need to be charging. Because That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> the $100 an hour becomes a market. You know, there's certain market rates that have no relevancy to you as an individual, right? They're just a market rate. So you could adjust your pricing in terms of, how many hours and so on, but you're still not using a rate that's relevant, that has any connection to you personally. 
So the first thing is to make sure the rate you're using is actually going to get you where you need to go, working the number of hours you want. The reason why that's important is if actually you need to be charging $160 an hour, the changes you have to make are even more than if $100 an hour works for you. Does that make sense? Talk us through that. Just so people okay. are really clear. So let's say the example, you know, you're a coach, you do a one hour call, your hourly rate's $100 an hour. So you go one hour at $100, I only need to charge them 100 bucks. Then you discover that actually, you know what? I spend at least half an hour prep beforehand and half an hour prep afterwards. And then there's some other stuff I have to do. So actually I probably spend three hours every time I do a session, three hours times a hundred dollars an hour. I should be charging $300 an hour. Oh, how can I increase my price by three times? (laughs) Insert panic here. And the steps that you might go, there'll be certain steps that you can take to either align that or get to a place where you do feel more comfortable putting a price out there. However, if actually $100 an hour is not what you need to be charging, then you can take all those steps, but you're still not going to be earning what you need to. If for you, you need to be charging $150 an hour for three hours of your time, suddenly the price is not $300, it's $450. So, right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the the challenge becomes, how do I go from $100 an hour to $450 an hour, not 300? So that's the first thing is to make sure that your hourly rate is appropriate to you. So that's kind of step number one. In terms of how you find alignment with your or get a price that isn't going to scare the goodness out of clients. For me, it always comes down to aligning what you're offering them with price points that make sense to them, that are that represent value to your client. So that's kind of one. And number two is who are the people for whom that does represent value? So it's understanding your ideal client, how much it's worth to them, those for whom are prepared to invest in themselves, and then aligning how you offer and what you offer to people. An example, so many coaches I know offer this thing called unlimited Facebook messaging. Oh my goodness. I know. First get off Facebook. Oh my goodness. So what often ends up happening is when we get them to record their time, which is one of the things I get my clients to do, they find that this regular responding to emails, requests, messages, and so on can be three to four times more time than the session. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, but that is so scary. And it's so common and they don't even realize it. And so one of the things I work with my clients with is saying, where do you add the most value? Let's make sure we deliver the goodness out of that where you add the most value and charge for it. The things where you're not really adding value, but you're adding cost and you're adding time, take it out. So a lot of my clients, you know, when I talked about the example I gave before of sell, That's one of the things that she did. She looked at, we worked together to streamline how she delivered her services. So her clients were still getting really valuable results, but she wasn't having to spend nearly as much time delivering it. I love that. I love that. And I think there's so many ways you can add in value that isn't you giving your time, but it's things like templates and like Mm -hmm. calculators and pre-recorded 
video lessons or training that support the coaching you're doing or the service you're doing. Yeah, and that's where you move into value-based pricing, where it's not about how many hours that you spend, it's about the, the change you help your clients to make and how valuable that is to them. So just because you save time doesn't mean you have to reduce your prices. <laughs> And I imagine that in the work that you do, there's so many other things that come into play. Like you said, there's confidence, there's insights of unraveling why they're giving away their time for free all the time. Very common as well. There's probably some boundary setting that starts to come in. Yep. Restructuring their business by design must be really exciting. And it's a lot of part of what I do, I guess, in the 10K Club too, is just getting people to recognize and realizing how precious their time is and where they're just giving it away and where they need to be really like pulling it, reclaiming it. And then really looking at what it's costing them, which then just makes business fun. It makes life fun once you start doing that. It is a process, but I feel like people wait around for maybe this magic day to just happen when it's all going to be in alignment. And it's totally up to you. Like you have to reclaim it. You have to take your power back and go no more. A hundred percent. Business by itself is its own beast, has a life of its own. And particularly when you're being, you know, when you are successful, when you've got clients happening, which is where we all want to get to and we do things to get there, it will start romping away. Your business just starts romping away and it can become overwhelming. I think for me, I know I've probably every three months, I have to regularly stop and say, what is working for me? What is not working for me? What do I need to learn? And what do I need to change going forward? to make it continue to work for me. Just like last week or in the weekend, I booked out the first week of the school holidays for 2021 for no client work. Work it, work it. <laughs> no client work. Because I've decided that a lot of my clients, it's not a great time for them. So I'm just going to block it out for me to focus on business development. It's in my diary, you know, something I've learned from this year. I'm planning it in for next year. Beautiful. I love it. We could talk on and on and on and on and on, but I'm also really mindful of your time and how precious it is. So before we finish up and hopefully definitely have you back on the show, can you just share with people your accent and where it comes from? Because I love when we first met, I asked you the same question because if people have been listening carefully throughout, there's just all these lovely nuances of words that you say differently. So do you want to share a little bit? Oh my goodness. Before I share, all right, for everyone listening, I want you to take your stab at whatever you think my accent is. And I'd love to hear what you think the combination is. Okay, so I'm a Kiwi. Mm -hmm. I was born in Wellington. Very few people actually think I'm a Kiwi. Then my family moved to the States. So I did my first schooling in California, San Francisco. So I roll my R's. I roll my R's a lot. And then I've spent the last 10 years in London. So I also now have a nice little cockney mm. uh, slang to twang to add into there. I call it a bit of a mongrel of an accent. Even I am sometimes like, what word just came out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And also the cognitive, like just the cognitive way your brain processes things and which bits it picked up and kept and morphed and changed. It's just really fun. I love it. It makes you unique. Oh, yes. Um, even more yeah. unique. Thank you so much for sharing all your goodness here today. Where is the best place for people to find out more about you, to learn more about their pricing, to just share some goodness with you? Easiest place is come on to Facebook. I am Natalie Coombe Online, the pricing expert. There I give lots of videos, tips and tricks on yeah, how to help start getting your pricing sorted. Yeah, so come join me there. Okay, awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. Share some love, as we said, tag 
at Natalie Sisson. Are you on Instagram? I am indeed, yeah. Are you at Natalie Coombe there? At Natalie Coombe online. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, she's just everywhere, Natalie Coombe. I'm everywhere. O-M-B-E. And we'll link to that in the show notes for this episode, which you can always find at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much, Nat. It's been a blast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I super hope you loved that interview. I love, love, love having Nat on the podcast. Just, I could have talked to her for ages and I really hope that you have got so much out of this. Once again, if you want to find her, she's Natalie Coombe online on all the socials, but also she has a course coming up called How to Nail Your Pricing. And if you head to nataliecoombe.com, that's C-O-O-M-B-E, forward slash nail dash your dash pricing, you will find that. I'll also link to it in the show notes, which you can find over at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you've been thinking about joining the 10K Club, this is the kind of stuff we discuss in there all the time. And Natalie is our guest expert running a workshop on profitable pricing in November of 2020, if you're listening in. So if you've been considering joining even more goodness, we get Nat all to ourselves running a workshop just for my beautiful members. And that is happening in November. And you will get that if you join the 10K Club. So head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 10K to join for many other brilliant reasons than just that, but just the sheer quality of what Nat's going to bring in that workshop exclusively for my queens means I don't really want you to miss out. So come on over, check us out. And if you want to have a final brilliant quarter to this year and an amazing 2021, I would love for you to come and join us. You've been listening to the Untapped Podcast. I'm Natalie Sisson, and I just hope you have a freaking amazing week because you deserve it and you're worth it.